The Divorce Podcast. Welcome to The Divorce Podcast, a podcast that aims to address divorce here in the UK, countering the often sensationalist way it's portrayed in the media, challenging the status quo and hopefully driving reform. On each episode, I'm joined by experts to discuss divorce from different angles and to give their opinions and to debate them. I'm Kate Daly, a relationship counsellor and divorce coach, co-founder of Amicable, the divorce services company and host of The Divorce Podcast. On this special COVID-19 episode, I'm delighted to be joined by co-parenting expert Marcy Scholl, founder of Rolling Stone Coaching, coaching people through divorce and helping them build better co-parenting relationships. Welcome, Marcy. Thank you. Thank you, Kate. Marcy, we're living in the most extraordinary times right now, and we're all having to adjust to a new way of living. So what are people asking for help with right now? Absolutely. I mean, we've never lived through times like this, and I'm getting lots and lots of clients calling me up, emailing me. They're worried, you know, parents are worried, and many parents feel that it's not okay to move kids if one member of a house has an underlying health problem or is self-isolating. You know, some families are used to moving their kids using public transport or there are long journeys between houses. So travel arrangements are up in the air for those families that rely on public transport. And, you know, given that the government advice is that kids under the age of 18 can move between the homes of parents in the usual custody pattern, parents are concerned they want to do what's right socially they want to do what's right for their family units but they're still asking what they can and and can't do I've also had a lot of parents who are looking forward to a scenario where lockdown may become stricter and when I say looking forward I don't mean they're looking forward to it I mean that they're kind of forward planning and I've heard lots of inventive ways of how they're going to do handovers in a park or on a bike ride. And I think the thing that comes out from all of those parents who are thinking like that is they want to make it fun for their kids not to induce any more anxiety than there already is. Do you get the sense that the children themselves are anxious about moving between homes or do you think it's parental anxiety rather than child anxiety? I think most of it is parental anxiety. You know, I have some clients who are finding that they're unable to see their children face to face at all for quite a long time. And they're relying on technology to help them through this. Um, And that's a hard place to be as a parent if you're not used to doing that. And I think I'd urge those parents to remember that, you know, this will pass. I think kids' anxiety is fairly manageable as long as we as parents manage our own anxiety and negative thoughts around that. And I've also heard, Marcy, a lot of people worrying about whether they should self-isolate so their partner doesn't. So on the more where relationships are more strained, that concern about whether one parent will suddenly self-isolate with the children. I don't know whether you've heard much of that with your clients as well. I've heard lots of that, Kate, actually, yes. And actually what I'm seeing is you know, parents are really worried. You know, our mental health is fragile anyway when it comes to our kids. And now some parents are really worried about their ex using coronavirus or COVID-19, whatever we're calling it, as, as a weapon to keep their kids away from them. And unfortunately, I'm seeing this happening. And many family lawyers who I work with are reporting the same thing. You know, parents are using coronavirus as a way to restrict access to kids. 
And it's really damaging for the children as well in that scenario, isn't it? When their normal patterns of seeing their other parents is disrupted. Absolutely. I mean, kids really need boundaries. They need to to know that their pattern is going to be the same. And if it's not going to be the same, why isn't it going to be the same? And when is it going to get back to normal? And, you know, those boundaries, if we can set them and share them between households, then that's much better for the children. You know, parenting with an ex often means parenting with someone you don't fully trust anyway, for whatever historical reason that might be. So there are going to be confidence issues that arise around whether the other is actually and really self-isolating or whether they're washing their hands for 20 seconds or staying two metres apart when they go out to get fresh air. And, you know, clients are having to take big leaps of faith that this will happen in the other house and it's hard to do that so that anxiety seems to be present in many different forms and and many different ways around this these really unusual times that we're in. And a lot of the time I'm having to explain or or help people understand that you can only control the the things that you can control and you can't control the uncontrollables and so when their children are at other people's houses or the other parents house you have to let go of your anxiety and your need to control what goes on in that other household and allow the other parent just to parent in their own way and in their own style because you'll drive yourself mad otherwise, won't you, if you're always trying to look over the shoulder of the other parent? Absolutely. You can't be in their house. You can't be in their home and you can't parent from their home. And that's why it's difficult in, you know, anyway in um, separated parenting arrangements because you can't helicopter and say, actually, Dad, this is what you've got to do or this piece of homework needs to be done by this time. You know, and, and it um, makes it hard to to be settled, I think, is is what I want to say. But there are things, if you have a fairly amicable relationship with the other house, there are things that you can do. You can have a phone call to set those boundaries. You can, you know, our blended family had a four-way conversation about two or three days before lockdown. We talked about what we would do if one of us got ill and had to isolate or that household had to isolate. And we talked about where our child would go. We discussed the practicalities around the likelihood of cross-infection. We were talking about homework and, and we were trying to come up as best as possible with some plans. So if you have an okay relationship with the other house, I would really recommend that you keep doing that, keep talking through this whole situation to you know, support your kids through it, really. Yeah. And I think you're right. I think people are sort of own what they help to create, don't they? So if there is any possible way of doing a co-created plan, then I think it, it, it stands more chance of being enacted if and when those sort of scenarios arise, doesn't it? Absolutely. And I think as well, the key thing you said there was you did it in advance of anything happening. And I guess that's a really important point, isn't it? Trying to anticipate some of the problems before they happen so that you can have a conversation without there being the heated emotion of being stuck in that moment of something going wrong or somebody getting ill is probably a much more productive way, if you can, to set out what those boundaries and the rules are. 
definitely if you can agree the rough parameters beforehand that's great or now we're in the moment aren't we so you know even agreeing them now it's it's going to help you you know the the parameters on screen time on how much homeschooling needs to happen every day bedtimes making sure your kids get dressed in the morning to maintain their mental health you know that sounds silly but so important for them to stay afloat if you like and you know laugh with your kids go and get silly with them this is a time like no other but if you can agree what you're doing in each house and you know enable your kids to feel scaffolded by both houses I think that is that is what I would be recommending here if it's possible yeah and t- tell me a little bit about the emotions that you're seeing from parents we you know we touched on you, you said at the beginning there that there was a lot of fear coming out how is that fear expressed do you think at the moment the fear is you know I've had one family lawyer who I work with for instance who said that 90% of her cases now the parents had decided to self-isolate with no medical reason or they're identifying themselves as high risk in order to restrict contact. And I think that's the main fear that sits underneath all of this is, and it's the fear that I see with many of my clients in when we're not in this coronavirus pandemic, it's the fear of not seeing your kids or the fear of having your access to your kids restricted. And that drives us in very strange ways. When we're afraid, we are kind of in this constant fight, flight, freeze place. And we're wanting to attack or, you know, go quiet or scream or shout. I mean, you know, the, the emotions in that place are extreme. And I think they're only exaggerated by what we're living through at the moment. And so tensions are really fraught. And communication, which is the key to co-parenting, breaks down. And, you know, if we're we're going to get one thing out of this, it's remember to communicate, remember to stay calm, remember to communicate. So it sounds like because everyone's in a heightened state of anxiety generally, the risk um, of the communication breakdown is much, much higher, isn't it? Because people are withdrawing from that communication in order to contain their own anxiety, maybe. Absolutely. You said it. You said it really well. I think that's true. You know, we're already on walking on a you know, frozen lake and, you know, any minute it could crack. So and let me just unpick a little bit more with you then. So you, you're talking about a lot of lawyers that you work with have, have clients where one parent is self-isolating. Is it the parent who spends most of the time with the children that is self-isolating or is it the other parent who has less time who's self-isolating in order to protect the small amount of time they get anyway. Where are the issues here, do you think? I think it's both actually, Kate. So I have a client at the moment who has the majority custody of her son, but her ex just is, he, he's isolated with the child. So she can't see him and she can't get access to him. So, and obviously it goes the other way, you know. So I think I think it's both. And I think it depends on how we're all individually managing that anxiety. And crucially, how we need to keep our perspective as the perspective of our kids, not in our own perspective, if that makes sense. So, you know, try to remember that whilst you may be afraid of this pandemic and this disease and and everything else, that your kids, their mental health is at stake. If you start restricting them and restricting their access unnecessarily, that's going to have ramifications when all this is over. 
Yes, and I imagine there will be ramifications, not just emotionally and mentally, but also in terms of the types of arrangements that people want to make after this. And that might be a, a good thing as well as a bad thing. I'm thinking that, you know, having experienced lockdown with your children, there might be many more parents who have been a lot more involved with their kids and will want to maintain a level, a higher level of involvement than perhaps they have in the past. So I imagine there could be quite a bit of renegotiating going on when all of this is over. I think that's right. I think that can be a great thing and, and it could also be slightly difficult. Well, probably quite difficult as well. It will place strain on the court system, on the legal system. But as you say, there is positive in that. How great if a mum or a dad who's not had or not been that interested in having access to their kids suddenly has been forced to and you know, it's a gift. It could be a gift. And I think that out of all of this, I would urge us all to look for the gift in it. Yes, exactly. I think that's a a really positive thing, Marcy. It's so important that we see the opportunities in this. And some of the opportunities are huge, aren't they, in terms of the chance to spend the time with the children, the chance to get more involved with their learning and their schooling. I know it's difficult. I know juggling, as I'm sure you do, juggling, working and homeschooling and doing all the housework and all the cooking, all the cleaning, everything else that sort of comes with it can be pretty overwhelming on some days. But absolutely. There's a real gift in there. Our special times, you know, when have we ever had the chance to be in the house with our kids? Or we need to go to work or why aren't you dressed? You need to go to school. You know, that's gone. That's just gone. And it's and actually what there is now is there's room to play and there's room to connect and there's room for these relationships, our relationships with our children, their siblings, the relationships they have with their siblings to really flourish. And, you know, and if your child suddenly has a better relationship with their other parent, that can only be a good thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about single parents, so people who aren't co-parenting but who are lone parents effectively for whatever reason. And What do you think the added pressure on a a lone parent is with all of this? Great question. There's definitely going to be a pressure around income, you know, that psychological need to be providing as the only provider. There's going to be that will add to the, the level of tension that's around them. However, you know, I do have some single parents as clients and what they're discovering is that children and parents they they're working arm in arm hand in hand with their kids their kids are helping them they're becoming much more of a team than they were before rather than the provider so practically I mean obviously not with little little ones but practically you know I have a mum and her six-year-old they're cleaning the house together you know she creates sweetie hunts in the bathroom and then they have to clean the bathroom and do you know sweetie hunts things like that there's so there's there's still growth here there's still growth in the pressure you know they may need a trip to the dentist at the end but (laughs) yeah I think one of the issues that I see is there's a lot of emotional overwhelm if you're the only adult in a household that's quite tough when you are trying to put on a positive brave face for the children We all know there are some moments in the day and there have been some moments in the days and previously where it just gets a little bit overwhelming. It could be something on the news or something you see on social media. But, you know, there are moments when it's just a bit much and you just want to turn to another adult and just have either a little bit of a cry or a little bit of a moment. And I think when you're on your own, I think it's those things that are missing 
being the only adult in a household is a real responsibility sometimes. And when there isn't someone to share that with, I think it can be really tough. Really tough. And, you know, thank goodness for FaceTime and Skype and Zoom. And, you know, so we do we do have opportunity to reach out. Yes, it's not the same, but, you know, we need to use those channels as much as we can if we need them. Yeah. And I've been really impressed by I think there's a group called Frollo that's, a, you know, a, a single parenting divorced parents kind of group and they've done lots of online meetings where they offer support and guidance as well as the opportunity to socialize as well and I think Frollo and other single parent organizations can be a great support right now for everyone who's either co-parenting or single parenting. I'm going to talk just a little bit now we talked earlier a little bit about where things were trickier between co-parents and some families we'll have formal child arrangement orders in place rather than kind of the private arrangements between parents. Sir Andrew McFarlane gave guidance on dealing with COVID-19 and child arrangement orders last week and said that where parents were sufficiently concerned that complying with the child arrangements order would be against either the public health advice or the best interests of a child, then the parent can exercise their parental responsibility and vary the arrangement to one they consider to be safe. Now, I can totally understand why that guidance is given, but it does seem that that is open to abuse in lots of ways. What advice would you give to a co-parent where there are tensions to act in the best interests of their children? When we say put your child first what does that actually mean for a parent Marcy? Yeah it's a great question Kate because you know the the McFarlane advice is really could really really be abused like you say and even though he says that it's the the spirit of the order should be delivered you can just see that there's going to be um, lots of cases where it's not and so when it's not so amicable or when it's high conflict I would ask parents to remember this that this is bigger than you if you're using it to get at your ex, stop. Remember, kind of by doing that, you're hurting your child. Your child doesn't have to move between houses according to this, but think about what's best for your child's mental health. You know, what would be the most positive thing that you could do here? And I say that probably more to the parents who are thinking of restricting access and using it as a as a weapon. I've seen parents also who are restricting child maintenance payments because the sleeping arrangements have changed, you know, so restricting that transfer of money. And coronavirus has become a weapon for custody and and it's awful. And so for parents who are on the receiving end of that, it's about maintaining your integrity for a start because you need to stand in that place before you go to battle or before you confront um, the situation and what's going on. And it's about really... If you can stick to the perspective of knowing what is best for your child, then, you know, it may not all turn out with a happy ending, but you will have done everything you can from the right perspective. And eventually, eventually there will come a time when your child will will know that about you. And do you think there's a fear as well of people worrying that a new status quo will be created? So, you know, if you're happy with the arrangements as they were, and now you're encouraged to be more flexible or the arrangements to change because that genuinely is in the best interest of the child. Do you think there's a fear that people have that they will be creating a new expectation that they don't necessarily or won't necessarily either be able to uphold or deliver post 
COVID-19? Yes, I think it's possible that that is there. You know, we don't like change, especially if it's to our advantage. The current situation is to our advantage. And I think that it's going to be hard, but we do need to try and remember to see things from our children's perspective. You know, what's best for them? What's best for their well-being, their mental health? Probably that they have two parents propping them up, not just one. But also, you know, this is a very specific time. So whilst there will be change of the status quo within this maybe six month period or eight month period, it is likely that that will not be legally be able to be upheld. I don't know. I'm speculating, but that's my instinct. But also there are so many changes and we don't know how long this is going no, to go on. We are speculating, but we'll, we'll indulge ourselves for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> but there are so many changes that, you know, could come out of this, the way people work, the way people live their lives. It's kind of everything's up in the air, isn't it? So it's not beyond the realms of possibility to think that people will want to renegotiate their children arrangements because their lives will have changed. You know, a lot more of us conceivably will do a lot more working from home in the future. If we can get it all working, we can see it works and everybody doesn't need to trek into offices all the time. I think those sorts of changes will possibly be quite permanent and therefore they do open up the possibility of people having very different circumstances to when they initially agreed their child arrangements and wanting to vary them whether they're formal or informal to get a better balance so I I can see that this could be the beginning of quite a wholesale change for lots of parents. Absolutely and I think like you just said you know and the world you know and everything we know in it and there's opportunity like we've talked about throughout this you know there's opportunity for growth and for change And it's exciting, you know, so if we can come at it from that point of view, what's the gift here? What's the exciting thing? What's the thing, the opportunity that I can take from this? Then I think we will be in a a healthier, more positive frame of mind when we come to deal with some of those issues and challenges that might be presented to us. Yeah. And even down to things like the children acclimatizing to remote contact so like zoom or facetime or whatever it is because these are now necessities to keep contact going in lots of um, situations children being better at that kind of contact and parents being better at that kind of contact actually gives many more opportunities to not just support face-to-face contact, but to actually, well, to support face-to-face contact and to grow the relationship more naturally so that children aren't waiting for once a week, the specific day per week when they're meant to see their other parent, but they're actually having a much more natural, fluid relationship, which more mirrors a family that haven't divorced, doesn't it, where you just have that casual contact all the time. Yeah, spontaneity, exactly. Yes, that spontaneity, that just kind of more playfulness can can be present rather than having a set time and routine, like you say. So kids can be more like kids, I, I guess. Yeah, because you know what it's like with court orders, it's always very time focused, isn't it? Right, you will be seeing your other parent on this time and on this day and or you'll be Skyping or phoning on this time and on this day. And it's it's quite tricky, particularly with younger children, to make that happen. But if you've got the opportunity to just Skype or phone at the point something happens that you want to talk to the other parent about, 
it's kind of more natural and, and rather lovely, isn't it? Really nice. Yeah, really nice for the kids, really nice for the parents on the receiving end of that call and probably calms everything down a bit because it normalises things. Yeah, I think a lot of the FOMO has gone out of all of this as well, hasn't it? So because everyone's in the same situation, this situation is a real leveller. And I think it's it's probably therefore in that sense, it does take some pressure off, particularly if you're new into the whole co-parenting thing and not knowing what you're supposed to be doing and worrying about whether they're having a better time with the other parent and all of that kind of stuff. This actually, in some senses, I think it's a great opportunity if you're starting out on this road. We're all dealing with the same stuff here. There is no, it doesn't matter how much money you've got, there isn't anything to spend it on or anywhere to go with it. We are all just being parents with our children. And I, I guess in some senses, what a lovely way to, you know, start that co-parenting journey on a very equal footing. Yes, absolutely. I love that. That's great. Really great. So, Marty, tell me uh, about some of the top tips that you've been handing out to people the last few days or weeks, helping them cope with this very strange situation we find ourselves in. Definitely, as you said before, Kate, you know, using um, the technology available to us, any of the apps, FaceTime, WhatsApp, you know, Zoom, Skype, mean that you can really both be in the room at the same time. So, you know, your child can be in the same room as their dad. They, you can watch a movie together, you know, be online at the same time and both be watching the same film or homework or bedtime stories or bath time. You know, then like you've just said, if the kids are a bit older, they have their own phone, a regular video call with them to help manage their anxiety, show them that you love them um, and you want to engage with them. You know, kids don't love change, even though they are adaptable. The main message is to kind of scaffold your kids again if you can't be with them physically. And, you know, the other the other tips are around keep talking, check in with the other house, see how your kids are. Are they regressing? Are they displaying any anxiety? You know, keep that communication going. Maybe you can have some kind of treat system with the other parent. How can your, you help your kids look forward to things during this time? You know, so maybe you agree it's extra screen time or playing games with them or baking or, you know, eating cakes straight from the tin. I don't know. It could, could be anything. And just, you know, <laughs> just remember, I suppose, that this too shall pass and let's be better off for it at the end not worse. <laughs> That's a great sentiment to end on, Marcy. Thank you very much. Marcy, how can people find out more about you, Twitter, website-wise? You can find my website at rollingstonecoaching.com and my Twitter is Marcy underscore speaks. So come and find me. Let's have a conversation. Let me know if there's anything you need. You can find out more about Amicable at www.amicable.io or you can follow me on Twitter at Kate underscore daily or you can follow the Divorce Podcast at Divorce underscore podcast. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.